Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920, here's your boy, Q. And here we are kicking off our number three of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man, DeMond Cotton, he's back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I am in the home studio as another day of training camp, another day of practice is under the belt, not for me, but for the players, and uh, was able to be out there and enjoy and see how they uh, put it all together as they prepare to get a 53-man roster, also prepare for uh, this Sunday's game against the Minnesota Vikings preseason game number two for them. Join us now on the phone lines, former Raider offensive lineman, part of the Raiders radio broadcast. We have them every Tuesday and Thursday at this time is Lincoln Kennedy. And, Lincoln, uh, thanks for your time this afternoon. You know we always appreciate you. And off top, man, we've been asking the question about what fans are going to be looking for in preseason game number two against Minnesota. From your point of view, what are you looking for from the guys? Well, you know, first of all, it's good to be with the Q, as always. Um, you know, for, for me, it's, it's, it's a step in the right direction from, from last week. You know, last week for three quarters, the offense was pretty efficient, the defense was pretty efficient, and you want to see them build upon that. You know what I mean? I, I'm, still, I'm still wanting to see a total package of what they're going to, or how they plan on using Jonathan Abram and, and that cover two system, that two deep safety system, how they plan on staying with that. So I saw a little glimpse of it last week. And he was rolling up close to the line and, and playing almost like a rover um, uh, type of uh, you know safety. But you know I'm, I'm still interested to see how they're going to play that. And, and then of course some of their coverage screens and and just the overall development of some of the young players. I mean you know I was uh, I, I had talked to to Paul Rodriguez about the offensive line and I said look this offensive line needs to play together. You know they, they they now that they kind of have an idea of who's going to be where. They need to learn how to play together, and that's just going to take time to rest. So I just want to see you know, a lot of steps in the, in the right direction and still clean football. How long do you think it'll take for the offensive line to gel once they do have all their guys set in place? Well, I mean, the longer they play together, the better, the more efficient they are. It's not a, there's not a set timetable. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, Colton Miller's not out there, wasn't out there in the first game, probably won't play uh, in this one as well. You know, you're, you're still trying to figure out who's going to be that swing tackle you know, not as we heard well, the news about Brandon Parker. So, um, you know, that's a work in progress. But there's really no timetable on how long an offensive line needs uh, you know, play-wise or time-wise before they gel. Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, you played with some really good wide receivers, Tim Brown, Jerry Rice. You know, and, and what were they able to do for the defense in practice? How sharp were they able to make the defense just going up against them in practice settings? Well, you, you're talking about two of the hardest-working receivers that ever played the game, and it's one of the reasons why they're both in the Hall of Fame. Um, they would, you know, go out and take reps, and they, they wouldn't just slouch. They would, they would test the defensive uh, backs that were covering them, and more importantly, you know, the, the defensive backs that were on them, you know, they, they, would, they would have to play them, learn about, you know, how to get over on a, on a veteran or, you know, veteran receivers like that. So, you know, it's a constant battle when you have one-on-one matchups, when you have Skelly drills, which is seven on seven and stuff like that. It's a constant matchup, understanding how receivers run routes, the timing of it, stuff like that. And more importantly, from a defender standpoint, you know, you're, you're seeing a lot more at how the receivers run their routes. So you can kind of get a, a little glitch in how some other pros might do it as well. 
you know, we've been seeing Nate Hobbs and Devontae Adams go one-on-one, even in seven-on-seven. Wherever 17 is at, you see 39 looking for him and chasing him. And today, even Derek Carr, he uh, he completed about a 45-yard bomb over Nate Hobbs, but it was just a great play by Devontae Adams. Sometimes you just tip the cap and say, hey, great play. How much more can you see Nate Hobbs growing by by getting that, that work with Devontae Adams each and every practice? Oh, it, 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 you really can't put a price on it. It's exponentially. I mean, the thing is, is, is when you have a young man who's hungry like that, you know, I've always said if you want to beat the best, you got to be the best. You know, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And Devontae Adams is regarded as one of the best, if not the best receiver in the National Football League, then if you want to be one of the best quarterbacks and you want to be one of the best defensive backs, you got to learn how to play that guy. And so, you know, it's, it's the challenge like guys like Jalen Ramsey took on the chin and other notable, you know, defensive backs over, over the years. Um, and, and when they were able to do it and understand it, they play a lot better, and then they become that true shutdown corner. Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. DeMond, go ahead, my man. All right, Lincoln, taking you back to that Hall of Fame game, what did you see from Lester Cotton and Alex Leatherwood, how they looked on the right side? Well, they were looking pretty strong. I mean, they did a good job at running the ball. They were productive at running the ball, and they switched it up. They, they ran both inside and out. So that was a, you know, that was a welcome uh, a, a sight. And more importantly, the pass protection for the first group was pretty solid. I mean, you know, the, the quarterbacks were pretty clean uh, for the most part. There were a couple times where it broke down, and most of the time, I think it was I, I think the, the one who gave up the, the two sacks that came off the of Brandon Parker side. And that's what I'm talking about when you you know when they were talking about a stunt because it was just a, a, a TE stunt, and the, the, they weren't switching off as effic- as efficiently as they should. So um, overall, I thought the right side held it, held its own and had a pretty solid game. Talking again with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920. So this week, as far as Leatherwood and Cotton goes, even Andre James, I know he's uh, penciled in as a starter, but, I mean, there's a young man in Dylan Parham who's, who's competing behind him. How much better, how much more polished do you think those two should be since they have worked together uh, in the previous game? I'm hoping that they'll be better. I mean, that's just what I'm talking about. You want to see improvement every week. You know, you want to see them get to know each other, be able to be more efficient and effective together. That, that's, that's very, very important, especially at this juncture, because, you know, right off the bat, they're going up and starting the season against the Chargers. And, right. you know, that defensive line is no, is no slouch. So you want to see that these guys are ready to go. You know, as far as uh, the coaching, and we heard Mike Martz, he, he was on the, uh, on the air earlier this morning with the morning tailgate, talking about if the offensive line starts to struggle at first, there's things that the coaches can do. Do you see a point where the coaches can scheme something up to help out the offensive line, give them a little bit of a break if they're struggling to jail early? That's always been present in the Patriots' offense. They haven't always had, you know, dominating offensive linemen. There's ways that you can do scheme-wise. You can call, you know, quicker passes where you get rid of the ball. You can slide protection. You can do, you know, you can do more screens and more draws and more runs. These are all things that we saw in the first game, and it's all part of the Patriots' offense, the old Patriots' offense. I hate to use it, you know, say it that way, but it is what it is. That's, that's exactly how they, they had their time when they, when, they, when they were winning football games. So, you know, there are ways that you can protect the offensive line, and there are, there are things that you can do, especially scheme-wise, that can help them as well. Yeah, Lincoln, speaking of that, in one of Zamir Wright's good runs in that Hall of Fame game, he got to the second level but was tackled by a safety. The fullback was in Jakob Johnson. So what are some of the elements that helps the run game by having a fullback back there? Well, you know, there's not a lot of – you don't have a lot of defenses that have a lot of experience going up against a fullback. The fact is, is that the fullback's not really widely used around the league anymore. But it also equates to a power running game. 
So one thing you guys got to think about: a lot of teams are running three-four defenses, where they're trying to they're, they're trying to get quicker and smaller, especially in the outside. One of the main things that have attacked and been successful against notable three-three-four defenses in the past is a is a power running game. It's with a lead fullback. You put that you put that lead fullback on a linebacker. Um, and, you know, in the hole and stuff like that, you have the deep, the offensive line take care of the rest of them. There's some pretty big daylight, and that's one of the things that you can take advantage of on some of these undersized defenses, how they stand up against the run. Lincoln, you know how long the Raiders have been in training camp. They started early. They're already heading into their second preseason game, similar to what the Jaguars are obviously going to do. At this point, are, they, are these players, are they ready to stop banging and, and practicing against guys that are in the uniforms that look like them? Are they just itching to get out and play someone else? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, training camp has changed a lot from when you know back in my day. They're, they're definitely itching to play with to play against someone else. But more importantly, they're itching to get to the regular season because when you have all that energy built up, you you want it you want it to count. You want it to count for something. You want to be able to showcase it. And of course, you know, the Raiders had a good outing in the Hall of Fame game. But now, number two, Minnesota Vikings are coming to town. You got to set up and do it all over again. Right. It just seems like they're getting – I don't want to say they're, they're more chippy in practice, but the last few days it seems like, you know, it's a little bit more trash talking, a little bit more edgier. It's hot out there. You know how it is. It just, it just seems yeah. like that they're irritated with each other and they're ready to see someone else. Well, that's, that's what you want to see out of your guys. You want to see that little fight. You want to see that chippiness. More importantly, but you, but you don't want to get anybody hurt. So right. you want to see that, that little fire, you know what I mean, that little zip. Because then you know when it comes to game day, they're definitely going to take out their aggressions on the other team with the other jerseys on. Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man, Damon. Yeah, Lincoln, we don't know how long Brandon Parker is going to be out, but did you see anything from that first preseason game from any of the other backup tackles that maybe they could step up and be that swing tackle if needed? Well, I mean, it's, it's tough to say because, you know, you got to take in consideration that once you get later in the game, you know, you're, you, you've got threes going up against threes that you probably wouldn't see during the regular season. So it's really hard to gauge. But, you know, Illuminor will you know, dance around the other positions. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they, they do with them. And, and, and it, it, this, this is a trial period. I mean, you'll probably see more of the uh, twos and threes. Well, you know, probably more of the threes in the second half this week. So we'll probably get a better understanding. But right now it's just too early to tell. Lincoln, what do you think the plan will be for Hunter Renfro? He's been primarily the, the Raiders' punt returner for the past few seasons, and I think he's going to have a big role in the offense, uh, in Josh McDaniel's offense, and so I don't know if he's a guy that you're going to see featured in that punt return, re- return uh, role a lot, but what do you think is going to happen with him? Well, I think he's going to be more of a slot receiver, and his duties on the offense is more important than okay. returning punts. But at the same point, you know, you remember uh, great Tim Brown did it for a while. Yeah. He was good at it. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's not, it's not, you know, it's not inconceivable to see that, you know, he could probably do a little bit more, but you want to protect him. I think that's why they're experimenting with other public returners as well. And is that, uh, is that, could that be a factor for these other guys that are competing for that, that third wide receiver position? You know, the T Billies, the Demarcus Robinsons, guys like that, even Amir Abdullah as a running back. Uh, if they can, they can carve out a niche on special teams where they might be able to secure a roster spot that way. Well, I, I remember talking to a lot of guys back in the camp days, and I said, look, you know, no matter how you shake it, if you don't think you're getting a fair shake, if you're able to make special teams, I've known guys who've made teams, made teams of uh, game day rosters because of special teams. So that's equally critical. Anytime you get a chance to get out there, you got to show off yourself. 
when you were on these teams that were great and you were on some great teams, how long did it take before you guys realized as a unit, now not you know, going out and saying, hey, we're great, but just kind of had that confidence in your head, hey, man, we have an opportunity to be something special? You never know how good you are until you play against somebody. So it was always the, the, that, that was the test, the weekly test. When we thought we, were, you know, we, we thought we had a good feeling about things like you take, for example, our Super Bowl, last Super Bowl run year. You know, we won our first four games, then lost our next four games, right? And couldn't put our pin, you know, put, we couldn't put our finger on, on what exactly was going wrong. But something had to change, and it wasn't until we went up and played Denver at Denver where it did change. We were able to, you know, right the ship, and then we ran, ran off and went through the playoffs and ended up won the Super Bowl. So, I mean, you, you 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 always have to challenge yourself when it comes to games, but more importantly, you never know how how good you are until you play against somebody full speed. Talking to Lake Kennedy right now here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty unnecessary. Cotton and your boy Q. As Darren Waller goes, we haven't seen him at practice for a while. Uh, there's all kinds of questions why he's not there, what the case may be. At what point should you be concerned about D Wall not being out there? Now, unless he's cutting more rap videos, I'm, I'm, I think it's good. He's cool. You know what I mean? I, thought, uh, I don't think you really have to worry about it. But, you know, the thing is that whenever you get into contract situations like this, or contract situations, you've got to worry about the holdout or the injury. Because the Raiders have been hush-hush about a number of things, it's really hard to, you know, right. not necessarily be paranoid about it, but it's really hard to get a feel on what you should be thinking or how you thinking until you hear something. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, he was at the Aces game the other night sitting, you know, two seats down from Mark Davis. You know, they were chopping it up the whole time. So I, I felt pretty good about the situation seeing that. Yeah. And I, I know that it doesn't tell me everything, but that was a pretty good sign. Yeah, well, I mean, it is a good sign. It is when he's seen, you know, even though he has, doesn't have to be, be at practice. You know, uh, I look. I think that you know, guys, guys need to practice to build that callus up in order to get ready for the season. But you know, there's some guys that you don't necessarily need to see at practice for right now because you know they're good at what they do. Yeah, no, and D Wall is really good at what he does. Obviously, him, Devontae <laughs> Adams, <laughs> Hunter Renfro, they're going to be really good. Uh, Lincoln, how how good? Does Devontae Adams make everyone else on the team just with his presence out there? Well, you know, that, that is yet to be seen. I mean, the thing is, is that you, you take it with a grain of salt when people regard you as the best wide receiver or the best player in the game, right? And you, 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 know, you saw what he was able to do when he was with Aaron Rodgers, so you know the potential is there. I'm not doubting his ability one bit, and I know they're going to find ways to get him the ball. But you've got a number of other guys that are equally as effective weapons. Right. So until you really prove it, and, 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 and even in this first game preseason game, we saw we, we saw Stidham throw down the field a little bit more than I really expected them to do this first time out. But it just showed you what happens when you put number seventeen out there, you know, rather than another you know wide receiver or lesser known wide receiver. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Again, Lincoln Kennedy is our guest. Of course, he's on the color commentary. He's on the broadcast with Jason Horowitz. Which side note, I uh, met Jason today at practice, so uh, he's in town. Yeah. He's he's there, ready to yeah. rock and roll. So uh, I'm sure. Are you guys? How excited are you guys for the for the next broadcast? Well, I mean, we're we're excited because we're still getting to know each other. I mean, right. we just met right before the last game, so. You know, we're, we're building a friendship. And that, that's just like anything else. You know, it takes time to develop chemistry, rapport with one another. And we had a good broadcast the first time. We're going to try to duplicate that, to, you know, every game that we, we do. So, you know, it's all, it's all about getting to know each other, their tendencies, their, their habits, and more importantly, you know, their, their speed of calling the game and, and the way they do it. 
Yeah, Lincoln, speaking of chemistry, with the running backs playing, like all of the running backs played in the Hall of Fame game, some fans are getting up and outraged about Josh Jacobs. Why is he playing in the Hall of Fame game? But Josh McDaniels is saying that, hey, running backs, they need to be able to get that contact because you can't simulate yep. it in practice. But for you as a lineman, did it matter who was back there in the backfield is going to change how you block depending on which running back is there? No. No, it, was, it, didn't, it didn't change how you were going to block. But for me, it, it, really, it was really determining what plays were going to be called, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because there are certain plays, you know, running back to do well. For example, you know, back in my day, Zach Crockett was an inside uh, running, runner, running back. He was, so we were running in between the tackles. You know, but if we had Napoleon Kaufman or Charlie Garner, we could run tall sweeps and everything else. And that's where you got to show off your versatility and your ability. So you never want to pigeonhole a running back with a particular plays and stuff like that. You want to see him be versatile and be able to do them all. However, as an offensive lineman, I knew what, if we were running the, running the football, and uh, well, I could tell what, the running, what, what the play we were going to call by the running back we had in the backfield. Well, I'll tell you right now, I bet you you had to get on that horse, man. If you had Napoleon Kaufman in the backfield, you had to get on that horse because that dude was quick, man. He got out there fast, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he most definitely did. And, I mean, I had him in college. I recruited Napoleon right. Washington out of Long Park. So we had, a, we had a college time together, and then, of course, we had the time with the Raiders. So, yeah, he was, he was a handful, no doubt about it. Man, he was awesome. He was he was one of my favorite Raiders, not going to lie, man. I was so pumped up when the Raiders drafted him. He was he was a lot of fun to watch. And we were just talking about Charlie Garner just the other day on how he had a, that season where he almost went for 1,000 yards rushing, almost 1,000 yards receiving. Like, he was that guy. He was almost like Christian McCaffrey before Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, you know, Charlie, Charlie Garner was probably one of the more underrated guys I've ever played with. Because, you know, he could do everything well. And, and he was quick. He was quick to the hole. He was quick getting through the hole. He was very fun to be around and play with. Before we let you go, Lincoln, I wanted to ask you, there's been a lot of change this offseason with the Silver and Black. Obviously, the front office, the president, the coach. I mean, there's been a ton of change. But for me, it feels like that this organization, Mark Davis has done a great job getting this thing on the tracks, rolling in the right direction. What have you thought of just all the, all the change and all the momentum that this team has right now? I've been around this team for a quarter of a century plus, and there's been a lot of changes over a lot of time. Um, I hope this one works and translates in the win and takes this team to the next level because I think they're long overdue. I agree. I agree 100%. Well, Lincoln, it's always great to catch up with you, my man. I'm sure we'll see you at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday. Preseason game number two yes, is going to be it's gonna be going down. So uh, thank you so much for your time, my man, and have a great call on Sunday. Always a pleasure, D and Q. We'll see you guys soon. All right, there he goes, Lincoln Kennedy. Uh, he joins the show each Tuesday and Thursday uh, talking all things silver and black. And, you know, of course, when we're talking preseason games, we can't really break down a whole bunch of nuts and bolts because, well, there isn't a whole bunch of nuts and bolts to break down. So uh, as the season goes along, of course, Lincoln will be able to uh, tell us about this play on third and five and, you know, just all all the other uh, in, inside thoughts of, of, of a guy who's been in the trenches and knows, knows what he's looking for. So that's going to be a, a lot of fun. Again, right now we're just kind of uh, getting, getting into the preseason action and then the, obviously the 53-man uh, roster sooner rather than later, and then boom, it's the regular season, so we'll have plenty to talk about. But many thanks to Lincoln Kennedy for giving us a few minutes, uh, as he does each and Tuesday and each Thursday here on Raider Nation Radio 920. 419 is the time. Got a ton of text messages to get to. Want to hear from you as well at 702-365-9200. Let us know what you'll be looking for, who you'll be looking for in this game coming up on Sunday versus the Minnesota Vikings. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.
Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. Got a bunch of texts. Got a bunch of calls to get to. 702-365-9200. Text line is 69187, keyword r Coming up about 4.30. Thayer Munford had a really good media session earlier today where he talked about, of course, he talked about the game. He talked about the Hall of Fame game. Talked about, you know, training camp. But he also talked about the mentals. And that's very important. And that's something that more and more athletes are talking a lot more about these days. And I find it refreshing. And so for a young man who is a rookie in the league, only has one game under his belt, a preseason game, to come out and be open and honest about what was going on with him, I thought was really impressive. So you're going to hear his press conference in its entirety coming up at 4.30. But uh, got some tweets at r 920 AM, at your boy Q254, at DeMond underscore the boss. Uh, my man Quick, always like when he tweets in, at Raider underscore level. He says, so Waller just gets a pass. For not being at practice, LOL, y'all wilded. And my response was, no, nobody gets a pass. Uh, I don't think that we can judge Waller on not being at practice without us knowing why he's not at practice. You know, I mean, that's a question that we've asked. We've asked about Waller. We asked about Jones. We asked about both those guys in, 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 in general when they were both out. Chandler Jones that, ha- that day just happened to return to practice. Darren Waller has not. From talking to, you know, Vinny and uh, hearing from other guys that are, you know, on the beat there, uh, we, we're hearing, you know, nagging injury, being very careful with them. But we just don't know until something's confirmed, you know. And so I, I hate to speculate and say, well, this is why he's not at practice. And, well, just give him a pass. Now, I know that Lincoln said, well, he's, you know, he's a guy that, that you feel pretty good about and you don't have to really worry about. Actually, it's funny. And, Damon, uh, I think you have that sound from Derek Carr earlier today. Because he was asked about that. I believe Adam Hill asked the question about uh, about Darren Waller not being out there and, and if it's okay because, well, they already have that kind of that chemistry. Uh, let me see if I can pull up the number real quick. But I, I think that that was an important important question, an important answer. Do you, you happen to have that or no? Yeah, I got it. Okay. Well, let's, let's hear from Derek Carr. Adam Hill asked this question earlier about Darren Waller not being out there and – uh, does he need that time, or has he already built up enough chemistry with him that he understands and, and he doesn't have to have him out there? If I'm honest, I think they always matter, um, you know, but there is definitely a comfortability um, in, in the chemistry, the timing, um, you know, throw it five yards more in front of Darren because he's so fast, you know, that kind of thing. In uh, there, there definitely is that. I never want to say that we have it. You know, I don't ever want to say that um, because I think that there's stuff that him and I can always grow in, but I have thrown him. You know, two, three hundred balls in games, and you know, thousands beyond that in practice. And so there, there is a workload there, um, so that when he comes back out and and all that kind of stuff, it just, it's it's uh, it's normal, you know, uh, that kind of thing. So there's Derek Carr right there, just talking about yes, they're missing reps right now, but uh, he's letting it be known that hey, they've thrown thousands of balls. He knows where Dar- uh, Darren wants it. But the one thing I'll say, you know, the quick's point is this is a new scheme. This is a new, you know, offense. So everyone really needs to be out there so they can learn it and so they can be on top of their game, like Devontae Adams, who's out there every single day. But, again, I can't say that, well, the guy's out there and he's, he's you know, just not going to practice because he, he wants a contract. I can't, I can't say that without knowing it. So I can't say that with confidence. So that's the only reason why you can't really go in on it because you don't really know. Uh, got a couple more tweets that I wanted to get to. Uh, real quick, and this and this one comes from. I already got that one. Oh, uh, Big Deuce. Uh, he said I. <laughs> he was talking about digital underground. He said I got a digital underground story. I was 17. I was supposed to be taking my little sister, who was eight, to ballet, but we ended up waiting for autographs backstage. Mom found out because we were late getting home, and we, 
And let's just say she wasn't happy. So there you go. Big Deuce was supposed to be taking his sister, his eight-year-old sister, to the ballet. Ended up backstage uh, waiting for Digital Underground to get some, some autographs. How cool is that? I mean, it's something. I mean, I wouldn't do it. Not me. Not for Digital. I'm kidding. Now I'm just being a hater. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I felt like I was, I was attacked too much in the last hour. Yeah, yeah. So I just got to hate on West Coast hip hop. Hey, dog, man, don't even don't even let me get involved with the text messages that we got. We have a ton of text messages that are going in on you and your your terrible knowledge of West Coast hip hop. So I'm not even I'm not even going to get started on that because I don't want to do you like that. Uh, Aaron hit us up. He usually hits us up on Twitter as well. He's talking about what he wants to see on Sunday. I want to see them stay consistent. They look quick coming to the line, calling plays, and I want to see them do it again. Also, another week of clean play, which means little to no penalties. Also, how does the punt team bounce back from last week's almost touchdown? Uh, that's some good stuff right there from Aaron, and that's a great point. I'm glad you brought up that point about them getting to the line of scrimmage, getting that ball snapped pretty quickly. It's not an up-tempo offense, but it did look like it was in a really good rhythm and that they weren't sitting there, you know, dragging their feet when it came to getting the play call in. I mean, again, they were snapping the ball with, you know, 19, 18, 17 seconds. I mean, it, it wasn't one of those where it was three, two, one, snap. I mean, it was. It just it looked like the plays were coming in quickly, efficiently, and that Josh McDaniels and, and the quarterback was in a good rhythm as far as uh, receiving the call and also, uh, you know, relaying the call to the players in the huddle. So uh, that's a good point. That is something I definitely want to see more of. I think that the, the previous regime and the previous Raider teams from the past few years, there's way too many times that they would have, you know, a first down play, boom, first down, another play, first down. And it just seemed like when they had the teams on their heels, they just wouldn't go quick enough. Again, not saying hurry up offense because that's like ultra fast, but it just seemed like they would just take their time and allow – a defense to catch its breath or make substitutions. If you kind of go with a little bit of sense of urgency, a lot of times these guys won't have the ability to make these substitutions. So uh, I would like to see what they did on Thursday at the Hall of Fame game. I would definitely like to see that uh, some more. So a really good tweet right there. I do appreciate you. Again, you can hit us up anytime, 69187, keyword R&R. That's the Sam and Ash text line. Also, the Rare Nation listener line is at 702-365-9200. What are you going to be looking forward to? What are you going to be looking for? Who are you going to be looking for in this preseason game, number two, versus Minnesota Vikings? We'll take a quick break. When we come back, Thayer Munford, he met with us earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Young man, uh, I'm really rooting for this guy. I'm not saying he's going to turn into a Hall of Famer, but I'm definitely rooting for him for the off-the-field point of view. You'll hear about it next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. I have to admit, I don't want to, but I have to admit, I sat there in the commercial break and I was watching the body cam footage of uh, Marshawn Lynch getting arrested here in Las Vegas. Believe me, it's been a rabbit hole conversation on the podcast that I don't choose to go down. Or I don't want to go down. I've had to go down it a few times. And look, the body cam footage only got out because someone wanted to put it out. Right? I mean, it just it's that simple. That's how these kind of things get out. Uh, obviously, someone's trying to just put it out there so you can get your own judgment on it. And I tried to do everything I could to not watch it because I just didn't want to watch it. But, man, that video did not look good. Just did not. I mean, I, I just I hate that for Marshawn. I hate that for just anyone in general that had to go through, you know, what he went through. And this is nothing against the police. They 
did what they had to do. I mean, they handled their business the way they had to handle their business, you know, but uh, th- those kind of encounters, man, are just not not very good. And I, I will give the I will give the police department some credit because, you know, there's a couple times in that exchange where could have got a little squirrely. You know, it didn't get squirrely. Um, you know, he just got arrested, but it was not it was not a flattering video. Let's just put it like that. But again, it's out there because it's out there and has been a subject of conversation a lot around around these parts just because, you know, something happens in Las Vegas. It's magnified to the bazillionth time. So that was uh, that's out there. So if you haven't seen it floating around Twitter or whatever, floating around online, uh, it, it will. <laughs> It'll pop up some way, somehow. You'll find it. Like I said, I tried to avoid uh, the going down that rabbit hole, but I could not do it. So there, there's that. 4.36 is the time. I want you to hear something that I thought was great to hear earlier today uh, from the at the media room today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. They always roll out some players and coaches, and we were supposed to talk to uh, linebacker coach Antonio Pearson. That's who I was most fired up to talk to today. I thought, man, this guy, last time we talked to him, it was great. Uh, I watched him throughout the course of practice today. I was like, man, uh, I got all these questions lined up for him or, you know, just kind of had an idea of what I wanted to say to him, and then we found out that we weren't going to talk to him. But you know who we talked to? Seventh-round pick out of Ohio State, Thayer Munford. And it's not about the football play. It's not about him getting in some, in some action in the Hall of Fame game. It's what he said about his mentals that really just kind of had me like, whoa. Like, like this guy, you know, this guy is one, is wise beyond his years, but he's also got a lot that he's working on and working with, and he realizes that and has no problem admitting it and, you know, sharing it with us. So uh, without saying anything else, man, here's that conversation earlier with Thayer Mumford, the seventh-round pick out of Ohio State. Thayer, you got a chance to play your first game. Um, how that experience go, especially being in Ohio? Uh, that experience for me was kind of like it's crazy because coming from Ohio, being an Ohio guy, went went to LaSalle High School down in Cincinnati, went to Maslin High School, and also went to OSU too. It was kind of crazy because I didn't expect myself, my first game, that should be in Ohio. I expected it to be like somewhere else or here. And, um, you know, it was a blessing. I could see my family, you could see my fiance, and it was pretty good. When you saw that pop on the schedule, did you have to, oh, wow. So that's where. Yeah, and I was just shell shot with that. And the, uh, the rivalry with Massillon and McKinley mm-hmm. going way back. And Josh, of course, uh-huh. McKinley. How, how much fun was that just kind of like with the coach? Uh, with, with Coach McDaniels, uh, when I first came here for my, my 30 visit, he was trying to give me, like, you know, some talk about some McKinley stuff. I was like, well, I'm 1-0 against y'all. And he's, what, 4-0 against them. And, you know, we joke about it most of the time, but it's it's all mutual respect for everybody. Yeah, at Ohio State, you played multiple positions, uh, I think both tackle spots and guard. Um, what kind of play right tackle here? Um, what kind of helped you move around the offensive line and not just line up in the spots that perform well? Um, to be honest, it's being consistent. I've had everything. Um, yeah, like at Ohio State, I played on, most on the left side. Uh, my freshman year at OSU, I played right tackle my freshman year for a couple games. And, my sophomore year, I switched to left tackle because I played left tackle all my high school career, and um, doing that, it was it's pretty good. You know, I feel very comfortable with it. You know, I still got a lot of stuff to learn, and I got people to help me out with that too. What's the biggest difference? Would you say besides being on the left side, right side? But do you have to kind of approach it that much differently? No, it's it's kind of weird because you still gotta get your hips aligned right, and uh, gotta make sure you don't punch with your inside hands. Well. Uh, especially with my left hand because I play on the left side. Uh, other than that, it's really not that much of a difference.
obviously um, playing Ohio State, you played against NFL players. You played against NFL players in the Big Ten. Uh, but, you know, you're lining up against a Max Crosby right now, um, and that's obviously a relentless guy. Mm -hmm. How has that gone, and, and, and what's that experience like for a young player like yourself? Sure. With me, I've been going against, you know, Nick and Chase, Chase Young, all my career at Ohio State. And I'm going against a couple of younger, younger guys that's coming up in, you know, next year's draft, of course. And going against Max, it's, you know, it's it's different. You know, he's he's a crazy guy. Everybody knows that. Uh, got all types of respect for him. Got all types of respect for everybody I'm going against. You know, I'm not going like um, just say like, all right, like you you this person. No, everybody's professional, everything, and you know, got all types of respect for everybody. Can it be kind of frustrating to uh, line up against Max on an everyday basis? So it just seems like he's going so hard every every rep. We know he's kind of trying to yes. instill that in you guys. But, but, but what's likes ever get frustrated in trying to? Uh, sometimes it, get, it does get frustrating, but at the same time, being like a rookie, you know, going against like an all-pro pro bowler, uh, defensive end, you know, it kind of like set me back a little bit trying to like figure out where can I – better myself in my set and how can I better myself in my punch as well and going against them you know almost every day during practice it it helps me out a lot you know it helps out everybody on the offensive line as well seeing him going hard every day you know it makes us go hard the other day there was a little skirmish um, mm -hmm. is that important sometimes for the offensive line to kind of hold their ground and say enough is enough we're gonna oh yeah right yeah 100 percent but you know football is football and we're in the middle of camp and you know, it's getting hot and, you know, tensions start to grow. And it's just camp. We saw you running with the ones a little bit out there today. What sort of growth have you seen in yourself just from OTAs to now? Um, since OTAs and when I first came here, I was all over the place mentally. I wasn't really too sure if I was, you know, ready to be here or not. And um, I had a couple counseling sessions with our counselor, Gene, and, uh, had to talk with everybody as like for his vets like Brandon Parker, Alex Leatherwood, you know, all the old heads that have been here like from last year on. And they just tell they just kept telling me like, hey, look, brother, just calm down, relax, don't overthink it too much. Cause as soon as you start overthinking it, everybody start doing bad or you start doing bad. And with me, I take the mental side very important because um that kinda helped me out with all the stuff at OSU. Cause I went through a lot of stuff at OSU and throughout my whole life and um with that I just take it day by day, keep my head down. Don't get too high, don't get too low either. There, with that being said, being the, the 2022 draft class, you come in with Zamir. He's had a, a long life and overcome some adversity. Have you two had interaction, bonding, in terms of being rookies together, and how has he maybe provided an inspiration to you? You know, like with Z, um, we, me and him don't really don't talk that much, but when we do talk, it's always like laugh or like we always laughing to each other because me and him, you know, we the same age and and we kind of talked about like what we went through in our past and you know having another guy going through the like almost the same exact stuff. It's it's kind of crazy, you know, because you never thought that anybody's going through the same stuff that you're going through. But if you open up and talk about it a lot, you know, people will start like open up to you a lot more about what their situation was. When did you kind of start those counseling sessions, and do you plan on continuing that throughout your career? Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, everybody thinks, like, yeah, like, it's a physical game. We're going against grown men. Um, with me, it's more important mentally because if, if, if your mental is not right, like, same thing with y'all, like, if y'all mental is not right doing your job, y'all 
post a bad story and y'all be like, all right, like, this is not good. I got to take it down. With us, like, we got to have our mental right every day because we're going against professionals and our job can get taken as well. And Or some knock on wood, of course, possibly get injured. And nobody really wants that. So, I mean, the mental side of football is really very, very, very important. You talk, you talk about finding that confidence. Was there a moment physically maybe on the field where you said, oh, like, I, I do belong here. Like, I get this. Uh, yeah, the first bad day. Um, first, first day in pass, I thought it was going to be like, like, all right, like, let's go. Let's, let's, let's hit somebody that's stronger than you. But at the same time, I was overthinking, of course. And yeah, like, first day in pass, everybody's jacked up, of course. But same time, just got to keep a low head. I guess kind of the flip side of that question, when you said you were overthinking, didn't know if you belonged at, at OTAs, what was, what caused that? What caused that? Was it just more natural anxiety going into the NFL, or, or did something happen? More anxiety. Um, I had a lot of anxiety coming in, a lot of anxiety getting drafted, of course. Um, but, you know, people kept telling me, just calm down, just relax, take a deep breaths before you go out there blocking Max or blocking Chandler or whoever. You go out get just take deep breaths and just calm your mental. How much did last Thursday kind of help you out a little bit to see it in a real, I guess, another opponent, an NFL opponent, in a real, not a real game, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, it, it was very different, you know. For me, it was my first NFL game. I really wasn't like, I was psyching myself out most of the time. But um, as the game went on, I started getting a little bit more comfortable in my set and how I approached the game as well. You got proposed. You proposed actually to your fiance at Disney. I don't know if Disneyland, Disney World, but how much has like kind of having that happen, that experience before the season, kind of help ground you in some way? You know, uh, funny as you asked that. Uh, it, it was kind of like it was crazy to me because um, I was talking to her dad like a whole year ago before I proposed, and he was telling me like, "Look, man, like I trust you." I'll, I love you like like your own like my own son, and just having that like another family to help me out, back me up mentally, you know that means a lot, especially with them. And they're great people. They helped me out with my mom. They helped me out with all types of situations I went through during college. And you know I give them I give them all my respect. I love them to death. I love my fiance to death. Even though my fiance <laughs> can uh, can be very um, I'm not going to say it. All right. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I'm not saying it. But yeah, but also at the same time though, she's a great woman. You know, she helped me out with a lot of stuff. So I I love her to death. Were you more nervous proposing? Oh yes, or? yes. I I was shaking. I was like on my knees shaking. I was like, I don't know if she's going to say yes or no. It's it was a lot of anxiety going in, but I knew because I knew partly she was going to say yes, but. I was happy at the end of the day. You talk about the mental side, uh, a lot of things that you have to overcome. Um, over the past couple of years, a lot of professional players have been coming out uh, and being expressed about what they've been going through. Who's some of the players that you lean on to when you're having a, a down day? Um, I, I kind of lean on Alex Otherwood um, a lot, Lester Cotton, Brandon Parker, Colin Miller, Jermaine, you know, basically everybody in the offensive line room. And I got a couple players, uh, a couple teammates from other teams as well that I can talk to as well. And, um, you know, they keep saying the same thing. So they keep your head down. Everything's not going to go the way you want it right now. It's not. But just keep doing you. Just keep grinding. 
prove everybody wrong, do what you got to do as a rookie. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. There he goes right there, Thayer Mufford, offensive lineman, seventh-round draft pick out of Ohio State. And I don't know about you, but I, I was super impressed. Again, remember, this is a rookie. This is a rookie who's trying to find his way in the NFL and all of a sudden opens up about stuff going on in college. He had a tough upbringing. You know, went from one school to another school. At one point, he had a 1.9 GPA. He was struggling with comprehension, like reading comprehension. and I mean, just all kind of stuff going on. Switching positions at Ohio State, went from being a really good tackle to a guard that was just okay, to having back surgeries, to having all kind of stuff. I mean, just could you imagine as a young person having to deal with all these different issues? No, and then something else that you mentioned there, like him in high school, he was declared ineligible for his senior year. Even getting to college, I'm sure, was a was something that he had to overcome, just getting to Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, just to stick with it, having the wherewithal to stick with it. Because I'll tell you right now, as a terrible student in school, I just chalked it up, right? I mean, Q, you got to do this to do better. No, I just don't care. You know what I mean? Like, school just wasn't for me, so I just was like, whatever, the hell with it. But – to have the wherewithal to say, you know what, I'm going to keep grinding. I'm going to keep my head down, like he said. I'm going to keep doing what I got to do to get there. I mean, how could you not respect that? I, again, I don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Mumford. He's a seventh-round pick. Seventh-round picks, it's not easy to make the squad. But what I can tell you is if he has the work ethic and he continues to grind and he continues to learn and he continues to get better, I mean, sky's the limit. It's on him what he could do. But guys like that I root for. I really do. Yeah, you know, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, just from the media session, this could be a teaching tool of, hey, man, yep. hey, rookie, this is how you address the media. You know, if you want to be a, if you want to be personable, if you want to, like, see not to share too much, but to still give the media that partnership, give them something that they can do their jobs, too. And like you said, he won the day. Yeah. Everybody left that media session rooting for their Munford more than they were yesterday. Well, I mean, really? I mean, honestly, that's you're, you're not wrong, you know, because yesterday we didn't know his story. Right. We didn't know his story yesterday. And even though he didn't break down and tell us every bit of his story, he told us en enough to let us know that, you know, he had a lot that he was dealing with. And even to say, I mean, he volunteered it. He said, hey, I met with the counselor here. You know, I, I thought that, you know, this was a little bit too much for me. And, and it sounds like just from listening that he'll have those moments where he starts to I don't want to say hyperventilate, but almost hyperventilate where it's like. You know, I'm overthinking things. I'm, I'm thinking too much. I'm, I'm in my own head. How many times do you hear that? Get out of your head, kid. Get out of your head. Just go out and, 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 and do what you do. Have confidence in what you're doing. And so sometimes that's not easy to do. So I thought it was refreshing to hear from Thayer Munford. And, again, I don't know what his career path is going to be. I expect that we're going to see him quite a bit on Sunday. But it's a guy that I root for. It really is. You know, and at the very end of the day, if he makes a team, if he doesn't make the team, I'm still going to root for him. I'll root for him in life just because I think that, that that's, that's the kind of guys, just like Lester Cotton. Lester Cotton, when, you know, he met with us a, a couple weeks ago before the Hall of Fame game, I had to get close to God. I had to decide to look in the mirror and realize that I'm going to be better than what I've been. i got to do this, that, and the other. I mean, he, he broke it down, and, and instead of blaming someone else, he took the responsibility on him and said, hey, I've got to be better. I'm going to go out there and be better. And that's when I said, hey, I have no problem rooting for this dude. Thayer Mumford, same thing. Same thing. I can really appreciate that, especially 
Because it's, I mean, look, in 2022, we talk about it all the time, and it's been about, what, three, four years now that we really are starting to appreciate the mental side of things and when people have no problem coming out and saying, hey, you know, I'm, I got to take, what do we hear, mental health day. I got I to gotta reset my mind. So many times people don't want to admit that they might have something going on, but it's okay to admit it. Matter of fact, it's healthy to admit it. If you got something going on, it's okay to be like, hey, hey, dude, can I talk to you for a minute? And the one thing I always tell, and I tell the wife sometimes when she, you know, starts to tell me stuff, I always tell her, like, hey, I, I probably won't have your answer. I probably won't have the answer that's going to make it better, but I, I, can, I can listen, right? I mean, that's, that's I'll listen. If I come up with something, then I come up with something. But if I don't, at least I'm, I'm, I'm able to listen. Sometimes that's all you need to do is you need to be that, that person that someone could could vent to or let it go or let it loose, let it rip. You know, there's been times where I've called my mom when in stuff that I've dealt with, and I just have called her, and she don't have to have the right answer. All she's got to have is like 15 or 20 minutes to listen. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that goes a long way, and sometimes you don't even know what you're doing for that person. So, man, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, Antonio Pierce, he was supposed to come on right after Thayer Mumford, and they canceled him, and, and they said, hey, we'll talk to him tomorrow. Uh, we were all good with that. They said, hey, man. Leave on that high note right there, that's cool. You know, again, it's just going in and getting that, that inside, you know, like story about someone. And now to be able to bring it back to the radio and talk about it and emphasize it and play it back and, and you know, hopefully someone else heard it and it's like, oh, man, that's cool because that someone might be listening right now. It's like, man, I'm going through that too. Maybe I just need to talk to somebody. And, you know, the other thing with him is, you know, he was asked, well, who are some guys that you lean on? He didn't go to – you know, Chandler Jones. He didn't go to, you know, Devontae Adams, Derek Carr, you know, the guys that have been there, done that for a long time. He said Alex Leatherwood. You know, he said Lester Cotton, Illuminor. You know, the, obviously his brother's in the offensive line room, but all these are young guys, young dudes that could have their own issues going on. But while they have their own issues going on, they took the time to say, hey, this is our brother too. Let's, let, let's, let me hear him out. Let me, let me see what I can do. I, I just I, I just came away from that super impressed. And, again, we'll see what happens with Thayer Munford, but just knowing his story kind of helps out understand the person. So when you see, you know, Big 7-7 seven, seven out there, you just, you know, it's, it's almost one of those, like, like I mean, you know, we talk about what we're going to be looking for on Sunday. I'll be looking for, I'll be looking for Thayer Munford, man. Exactly. And what did you say there? Like, who did he name? When him naming Alex Leatherwood and Lester Cotton, those first two names, right. those are two guys that – they can relate to what he's going through a little bit. Alex Leatherwood, we all know how yeah. his, his rookie season went. And you know the phrase imposter syndrome. I'm sure Alex Leatherwood experienced some of that as well last year. Of, Am I good enough to be in this league? A guy like Lester Cotton called up to the practice squad. You know, back on the practice squad, are you on the main roster? Those type of things where he, sometimes it is good to talk to people that you can relate to. Right. Where there are you named like, you know, the stars on the team. Hey, some guys like they could be listening, but we all have those days where you're talking to somebody. And it's like, ah, but they don't really understand it. They don't get what I'm right. going through. Those two guys, Alex Leatherwood, Lester Cotton, they know exactly what he's going through when it comes to, hey, just maybe being a little bit overwhelmed with the NFL. That's a good point, Damon. Great point right there. Because, again, sometimes you got to get someone who's on your level, right, to be able to understand what's going on. And so uh, Thayer Mufford, we'll see what happens. Again, the seventh-round pick out of Ohio State. Uh, he got some burn on, on Thursday at the Hall of Fame game. I expect him to get a lot more burn coming up on Sunday versus Minnesota Vikings. Great stuff as always. Uh, definitely appreciate all the guests that we had on the show today from Adam, Adam Hill 
from the RJ, Mark McMillan, former NFL cornerback, and of course Lincoln Kennedy, former Raider offensive lineman and color commentator on the Raider broadcast. And Raider Nation, always appreciate hearing from you on the uh, Raider Nation listener line, 702-365-9200. Love it when you chime in and also on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. DeMond, great job in the back uh, doing all the things that you did from the morning tailgate this morning to uh, what you're doing this afternoon as well, chopping up all the audio. Uh, great, fantastic work. So we'll be back tomorrow, same time. Make sure you wake up with the morning tailgate. They'll be broadcasting live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. That's Clay Baker. That's Heidi Fang. That's Vinny Bonsignor. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Upon further review is up next. Good night.